Good morning. I'm Father Bill Stafford. It's good to be with you, even if I'm with you via Zoom this morning. Uh, I miss you all so much. Uh, I miss us all being able to be together and to receive the sacrament together. But I'm glad to be here with you any way I can be. It's a privilege, and I thank Father Ricardo for inviting me to do this. From the epistle, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. More than 30 years ago, Barbara and I celebrated a special birthday by traveling to New York. On that many splendored weekend, one glory we had planned was to have dinner at the restaurant at the very top of one of the twin towers of the World Trade Center. We weren't expecting much from the food itself. As it turned out, we were right not to. But we did expect that edifice of modern technology and power to reward us in other ways, above all, with a view of all New York beneath us. But when we arrived in the taxi, it was raining. We're fond of fog, but one does not need to spend all that money and be shot up in an elevator all that way to enjoy a view of fog. But when we actually entered that room, ringed with great windows, we found a wonder. We were above the rain clouds. The sun was setting across a landscape of rose and purple cloud tops, and across from us, shining in its own rainbow, was the Empire State Building, an island of color and a world of glory. After the terrorist attack on 9-11 and the fall of those towers, for a long time, Barbara and I could not bear to go back. Finally, we did. Arriving on another gray, rainy day in New York, our train clicked and clacked its way right past the deep cavity where the two towers had collapsed. Outside of the windows, there was simply emptiness, just a hole. A few days after 9-11, the British novelist and writer Ian McEwan wrote a column in a British newspaper, The Guardian, entitled Love and Then Oblivion. McEwan is a subtle, and thoughtful painter of human life. And he is also a convinced and vociferous atheist. But what struck him were the last messages that some people had managed to send on their cell phones from the burning buildings, from the doomed aircraft. Here McEwen describe a woman speaking into her husband's answering machine. I quote, we heard her tell him through her sobbing, but there was no escape for her. The building was on fire and there was no way down the stairs. She was calling to say goodbye. There was really only one thing for her to say, those three words that all the terrible art, the worst pop songs and movies, the most seductive lies can somehow never cheapen, I love you. She said it over and again before the line went dead. And that is what they were all saying down their phones. 
from hijacked planes and the burning towers. There is only love and then oblivion. Love was all they had to set against the hatred of their murderers. End quotation. Love spoken into death, even when death seemed to claim the last word. Love spoken into evil, even when evil thought it had the last word. Some other words, though, have divine power against all the demons. Later, I heard another story from that day of another kind of love and, a different, and different words. Police officers and firefighters have a sworn duty to serve and protect. And in the midst of much wrong behavior, as we've been seeing, a good many of them still try to. While few of them would be comfortable with calling doing their jobs anything like love, their duty is to help preserve the everyday, everyday faculty fabric of human life. And in an everyday and ambiguous sort of way, when things are going right, that's love. Yet at any moment, ambiguity can give way to perfect clarity, and their vocation must reach out into the void. After the attack, but before the towers had fallen, a priest I know well was on ordinary daily duty at a Manhattan church very near the two towers. He went out in the street. He stayed there as police and firefighters streamed towards the entrances of the burning buildings. As he stood there in his collar, men and women in uniform stopped briefly on their way and asked him for final absolution. He did let them know, truth in advertising, that he was an Episcopalian, but none of them cared. They wanted that last word with God, confessing their sins, but above all, hearing God's word of forgiveness and love before they went into the darkness. They said the words they needed to say to God. My priest friend said God's word to them. And they went into the buildings, many never to come back out. Some words have divine power against all the demons. For those who spoke those last words, words recorded on answering machines, words enacted by walking into the towers, there was a spirit beneath their last words, those prayers. Those people could speak only because they somehow knew that their words were not in vain. Love spoken into death, love spoken into evil, finds a resonance beyond itself. Their words echoed from a depth far below ground zero. The boots that walked into those towers were on a ground that held them up even if the floors were about to fall. Underneath our most trivial prayers, underneath our most passionate prayers, there is a spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's own breath of life, carrying God's word, and that is stronger than evil or death. We are now living through our own disasters. <clears throat> the raging pandemic, 
and the long deep-rooted structures of racial exclusion and oppression coming again vividly to light in our day. How can we pray in such a time? That is, what gives us any confidence in our words spoken to God and even in our wordless longings and laments? What good are they? For many of us, prayer is not an easy matter. It can be hard work and a dull slog. In my case, much of my prayer seems to me to be flat, almost said by rote, sometimes in fact by rote. Distractions fill my head as I try to be recollected. I'm not alone in that. Even the great warrior of prayer, St. Teresa of Avila, said she could not say even the Lord's Prayer once without being distracted. Given the things both earth-shaking and prosaic that we have to pray about, I couldn't give my prayers anything like a high grade. I don't know anyone who prayed as passionately and as deeply as St. Paul, but even he says, we do not know how to pray as we ought. The deep living relationship with God born of love that is at the heart of prayer may at times seem as shallow and evanescent as a puddle on the pavement. But sisters and brothers, we do not pray alone. Not only do we pray with everyone in the whole body of Christ, all of our sisters and brothers in heaven and on earth, who pray, some now without ceasing. Now, not only does the liturgy beyond our poor powers lift up our hearts, far more our prayer is undergirded by the infinite love of the Holy Spirit, who intercedes, as Paul says, with sighs too deep for words. When we pray, even when it's no more than a faltering, help me, Lord, help us, Lord, the power that comes under that and lifts it to heaven is the love of God for us. Even when we do not feel it at all, when we pray, it's like dipping our toe in the water of a huge river rushing by. God's own prayer is in first place, what Paul calls the size of the Holy Spirit, what the letter to the Hebrews calls the intercession of Christ, our great high priest, and then add in the responding prayers of the saints all around us. That great torrent of divine prayer bears up our slender words and thoughts in their weakness and even error and lifts them into the heart of God. And there we find the infinite and eternal heart of love. Some words have divine power because they are empowered by God and God is love. Again from our epistle. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? For, Paul says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, a word to the wise. If you don't pray at all, start today. Start small, 
just say the Lord's Prayer in the morning and before you sleep at night. It can grow from there. But even so, you'll be putting your toe into that infinitely power current of God's love. Or if you have been discouraged in prayer because your good prayers seem to have been ignored, or because of your or my shallowness tempting us to despair in our prayer life, be of good heart. God's love does not ignore us, and it does not depend on winning any contests in how well we pray. Jesus taught us to pray, so do it. But do it knowing what is surrounding you in this liturgy now, or for that matter, in the grocery store, or by the side of a spouse with dementia, or reading the frightening headlines. The prayer of the Holy Spirit, the prayer of Christ, the prayer of the whole church in heaven and around you here on earth, that eternal current of love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to whom be ascribed, as is most justly due, all glory, might, wisdom, and love, now and forever. Amen.